We have a special obedience school. But guys, we'll also team the ladies. And we'll have a video coming on that real soon. Real soon, okay? We'll get them. We'll get them. Welcome to The Rock tonight. It's great to have you here tonight. We had a great time at the block party, didn't we? Lots of food, lots of fun. We'll be doing that again. I thought we should have like one in the middle, sort of the middle of winter. Not the 20 below, but the 20 degrees and set up all those Coleman basket fireplaces, you know, and no one ever does stuff like that, so maybe we'll do that. Shake the block up a little bit and have some kind of contest. I don't know. We'll see. what You never know what's going to come next to the rock. Anyway, it's great to have you this evening. You know, I'm doing, this is part four of a series I started a few weeks ago entitled Enjoying Your Life More, How to Enjoy Your Life More. And, you know, you're going to find at The Rock, if this is your first night, and then if you keep coming, which we hope you do, that uh, we like all kinds of different music. We have great band, all kinds of talent. We love to laugh. That's what Rock TV is all about. We love life. We love God. The Rock's all about knowing God and developing your relationship with God. We also talk about the serious things in life. Not always. Some messages are lighter than others. Some are more head-on than others. Tonight, what I want to share with you is simply this. How to experience the greatest joy in the world. What does it take to tap into the greatest experience of joy in the world? Now, there's a difference between joy and happiness. And I'm talking about a kind of joy that stays with you no matter what the stock market does. Though most of you aren't the age you're worried about that yet. But one day you will be. No matter what your girlfriend does or does not do to you. No matter what she thinks of you or he thinks of you. You see, if you ask most people, and if you honestly evaluate your life, most people's lives are dependent upon the circumstances that come their way. We live in the wealthiest nation in the world, and most people equate happiness and joy with how much they possess. Whether they really own it, or they just put it on credit cards, it's irrelevant to them. What matters most to them is they have the coolest car, the coolest clothes, is everything trendy about their life. Of course, they never never talk to you about how how debt puts a burden on your life and just kind of weighs you down, but you know... In our society, all you do is file bankruptcy anyway, so don't worry about it too much. Then you just start over and get some new cards. But I want to talk with you tonight about a real source of joy that lasts forever. I want you to imagine with me tonight, we're going to put on our imagining hats together, okay? Now, I want you to imagine for a moment, and if this hits close to home, it's not deliberate. I just thought it was a good illustration. I want you to imagine with me tonight that you have a drinking problem. Now, you're not that plastered, get up in the morning and drink all day long, abusive kind of drunk. You're just an individual who has a drinking problem. Sometimes you drink a little too much. Sometimes you say things you didn't know you said until someone tells you later. But you think to yourself, you know, it isn't too bad because everybody has their problems, right? Everybody has some kind of a deal in their life. Now, you're going to have to imagine for a moment with me that you got a wife and kids. That means you're male for a moment. 
Okay. And your wife comes in, she pleads with you. Look, your drinking, I feel, is interfering with our marriage, and I, I want you to stop. I want you to get help. Your kids come to you. Dad, we want you to stop drinking. Please stop drinking, Dad. We want you to be around with us. We don't want something to happen to you. And we're afraid something's going to happen to you. And you kind of do what most people do with some kind of problem. They kind of smile, laugh it off, say, oh, it's not that bad. It's not that bad, but he's going to be okay. One night, you're out with some friends and you've been drinking, having a good time, enjoying yourself. You get in the car and you head home. You look in the rearview mirror and you see these lights. And the lights are going and the sirens flashing and you're thinking, oh man, I can't say what you're thinking, but you're thinking it. And <clears throat> you pull over to the side of the road and the officer comes up and says, sir, get out of the car. He can smell alcohol on you. He says, sir, you've been drinking? Uh, you know, I just, I had a couple off, just a couple out with, just with my friends. I want you to come back here and take an alcohol test. <clears throat> so he has you breathe in this tube. Off the scale. Registers completely off the scale. This is your second DWI or DUI, excuse me, in a year. The officer looks at you and he says, Sir, he said, I'm sorry, this the record shows this is your second this year. And the law just passed by the legislature says you're under arrest. You don't go home tonight. Your car is confiscated. I take your license. You're going to jail. Till your court date. Which is set for two weeks away. He puts you in that jail and you're sitting there on that bed and, and all these kind of things are running through your mind. You're thinking, man, you know this wasn't that bad. I do not believe they made this stupid law. First there's rage. Anger at everybody else. I don't deserve, this is insane, this is ludicrous. I'm not a drunk. Yeah, it's my second DUI. Yeah, something bad could happen, but it didn't. And then the next day comes, and the next night, and the next day, and the next night, and you're starting to realize that I've really made a mess of things. My choices here are hurting some other people that I care about. And all of a sudden, this overwhelming sense of guilt and shame just kind of floods over you, and it just won't go away. And after about a week of that, you finally come to the conclusion that I want my day in court because I want to look the judge in the eye and tell him I was wrong and I'm sorry and I realize I broke the law. I want to change my ways. While you're in jail, your wife can't see you, your kids can't see you. You're appointed a public defender. The day comes that you're going to go to court. So they drive you to court and you walk in. As soon as you walk in, right here in the back row are ten mothers, all with buttons on, M-A-D-D, Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. And they're holding up a sign. Lock him up and throw away the keys. Now you're really shaken. This is not, this is not a good sign. You walk up to the front, you walk through the little gate, and you sit down at the table. Your wife and children are right behind you, and your lawyer leans over and he says, I don't know how to tell you this, 
He said, I just found out that six months ago, the legislature passed a new law. Two strikes, two DUIs, and you're out. The sentencing guidelines are 15 to 20 years. The judge has the discretion of anywhere in between that. And you were in shock. <clears throat> You're stunned. God, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe this is happening to me. And the judge walks in. Everyone rises. Everyone sits down. Pounds the gavel. He says, How do you plead? And your lawyer stands up and enters guilty. Thinking a plea bargain is always in, always a possibility. And you really want him to plead guilty because you realize in that two weeks sitting in that cell, I really need to straighten up my life. <clears throat> the judge looks at you and says, do you have anything to say for yourself? Uh, yes, Your Honor. <clears throat> yes, I do. Uh, thank you for this opportunity, Your Honor. First of all, Your Honor, I, I want to say that uh, I was wrong. What I did was wrong, and I recognize um, some very bad things could have happened. I'm sorry that I broke the law. And the judge looks at you and says, Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you recognize the seriousness of this offense. But I have to tell you, what you did was very serious. Someone could have been dead or seriously maimed because your judgment was impaired behind the wheel. And I'm sorry to tell you this, but I sentenced you to 20 years. Maximum time. No probation possible. Because it's time we start making an example of people like you. You're stunned. You're in shock. Your throat drops to your stomach. You feel nauseous. You feel like you're going to vomit. Behind you, your wife and children scream. And they begin to cry uncontrollably as the bailiff comes and leads you through the doors and the judge finishes by saying, your sentence will begin immediately. And on top of that, you have a $50,000 fine to pay. Now I've got to tell you, that's an awful lot for one person to take in a day. You walk through those doors, you get fitted with your suit, and off you go to the federal penitentiary. And you're sitting in your cell. All by yourself. And you begin thinking to yourself, how is my wife going to pay a $50,000 fine? We're going to lose the house. She, how can she possibly wait 20 years for me? I don't think she will. I'm not going to see my kids grow up. They were six and seven years old, and I'm going to miss it all. And you are overwhelmed with grief, with remorse, with regret, and it can't be changed. Nine months come and go. One particular dark, dreary morning. The mail guy comes by your cell and he slips an envelope underneath your bars. 
you haven't had any mail for quite some time, and so you open it up, excitedly wondering what the world's inside. It's a very interesting note, and it says, you have a new hearing schedule a week from today. And your mind is like, what in the world? Same judge. What's going on? What could possibly... I'm supposed to be at 20 years. I'm not supposed to have a number hearing. What's, what's going on? Your day comes and they dress you in your suit and you head off to same courthouse, same courtroom, same judge. And as you walk in, your stomach is all turning and churning and it's nervous and you're full of anxiety. Beads of sweat on your forehead and you're wondering what in the world's going on. The judge comes in, everyone rises, he sits down, you sit down. He opens the session. And he says, Mr. Mr. Smith, yes, Your Honor. He said, well, something very unusual has happened. It's never happened before. You're wondering, what in the world? What, what's unusual? He said, there's a provision, a provision in the law, a seldom used one, one hidden deep in the books. It's there, but it's never been used. And it states this, that if another person is willing to pay your $50,000 fine, and they're willing to serve the remainder of your sentence, and you're willing to accept that, you are immediately released from this court and from jail. Your record is wiped completely clean. You're completely forgiven. You get your job back with the raise. You start your life all over again. And you have a chance to do your life the way you wanted to do it now after nine months sitting in federal penitentiary. You're overwhelmed. Absolutely imagine from what you're just overwhelmed. Tears well up in your eyes. Your wife and children who came again that day scream and cry this time. Tears of joy because she gets her husband back and I get my daddy back and we get to keep the house because someone else is paying the fine. And all these things are running through your mind. I'm going to do this this time and I'm going to do that. And you have a brand new lease on life and a new determination that you never had before that I'm leaving that life behind and I'm going to embrace a new life. Listen to me very carefully. That story is an honest illustration of you and me in our lives. We may not be, you see, we may not have a drinking problem. Maybe you do. But all of us and every human being, including myself, we have what the Bible calls a sin problem. And sin causes problems. I suppose that you're like me, like lots of other people, and you saw the towers on September 11, and you look out at a world that seems to be falling apart everywhere, and you ask yourself, why is there so much hatred in the Middle East? Why is there so much hatred between Pakistan and India? Why is there so much sorrow in the world? Why is there so much cruelty and brutality in this country that you and I live in? There's hardly any civility anymore whatsoever. 
We've been out handing out on Saturday afternoons free water bottles and lemonade and pop and different things out along the lakes. And people have been stunned. Like, no one does this. Why are you doing this? There's no, there's hardly any kindness anywhere. Everything's about what can we make off you? How can we get money from you? You see, the Bible tells us some very interesting things. The story I gave you is an allegory of our lives. And the judge and the law is God. The Bible tells us, and Jesus told us, that if you hate someone, you are guilty of murder. If you hate them in your heart, you are guilty of murder. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you have heard it said that a man shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, if you look on a woman with lust in your heart, you are guilty of adultery. i got to admit, um, I'm an adulterer. The Bible tells us not to lie. Not to steal. And the list goes on and on and on. And the bottom line is, including myself and every human being that you've ever seen on television or in person, is a lawbreaker as far as God is concerned. Now, let me just pause for a moment. There are a lot of laws that you may think to yourself are completely unreasonable. It's the interesting thing about law. It all depends on what side of the law you're on. For example, if you have a close friend, someone you love very much, and they got drunk one night, and they went out and drove, and they got in an accident, and they killed a 17-year-old young lady on the way home from the prom, you're going to think to yourself, oh my gosh, this is so tragic, and it's terrible, and it's terrible, a life was lost, and it's terrible that this innocent young woman was killed, and her family's in pain, and it's terrible that my friend is going to have to be punished. And then he goes to trial and finds out that they convict him for involuntary manslaughter or second-degree vehicular homicide, and you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, it was only the first time! But the law falls, and the law says, well, you know what? It's your first time you made a really bad mistake, and you're paying for it. Now, you see, the same is true with God. The same is true with God, you see. God's made laws, he made, He's made rules and guidelines for our living, for your benefit. And we know them in our conscience, for anyone ever told us, we know them in our conscience. I'll never forget the first time I was ever immoral, which means fornicate, which means sleep with someone you're not married to. And I was 17 years old. And I knew in my conscience, I didn't, oh, I tried to shut out the voice. I tried really hard, but I knew this is wrong, this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I did it. Then I did it again, then I did it again, then I did it again. And the conscience got a little smaller, a little smaller, until I got a little older. It started gnawing at me, started gnawing at me, started gnawing at me. I really saw an interview recently with a world-famous athlete. who recently lost something that was very precious to him. And in the interview, he said, well, you know what? He said, when it's all said and done, I've had a great life, went through millions and millions of dollars, and I fornicated with a whole lot of women. And I thought to myself, and I mean this honestly, and I mean this sincerely, it broke my heart. Because if I had the opportunity to talk to that gentleman, I would tell him, in a very non-judgmental way, God loves you. And He can transform your life. But let me tell you something. You may have fornicated with all the women now, but unless you allow the judge to pay your debt, you are going to pay with your life for fornicating with all those women. 
And everywhere we look in the world, we see people at one another's throats. Our families, you see, can barely even stay together anymore. We hardly know what it is to have peace because we don't even have it in our homes. Why? Because of sin. Because of selfishness. Because we choose, I will not love my neighbor as myself. I will not do unto others as I would want them to do unto me because, frankly, I don't give a whatever. I want for me, for me, for me. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. I was 19 years old. And I'd hitchhiked around the country and I'd done some pretty wild and stupid and foolish things. My conscience began eating away at me, eating away at me, eating away at me. One night I was driving home from seeing a concert with Roger Daltrey and the Who. And I was driving home and I ended up in the ditch, asleep. I fell asleep between the meetings of the grass. And I woke up and I was shook up and I got back on the highway and I was totally shocked. I could have sideswiped a car, hit a culvert, hit a bridge embankment, whatever, gone to the other side of the freeway and had a head-on collision. Really shook me up. This continued, happened two more times till I finally got home. Really shook me up. A couple weeks later, a couple other experiences happened that could have easily taken my life. And it began to shake me to the core, you see, because I knew death isn't the end. I'm going to be held accountable by God for what I've done in my life. And I knew at 19, and I tried to squelch that voice. I tried to squelch it, but no matter what I did, it was there inside talking to me. And then someone shared with me, Mark, listen. Listen, this is the most incredible news in the whole world. You see, the most incredible news in the whole world is that the lawgiver came up with a secret solution. And that solution was he sent his son. His son was named Jesus Christ. You get a Christmas break. You've gotten Christmas presents, most of you, ever since you were born because of this man who was God. God's son. And God sent him down here for one purpose. To grow up, to validate to us through his miracles and that he was God. And to provide a payment for our sin. And when he hung on that cross, and he hung there because of our sin, my sin, yours, God punished him. God crushed him. God judged him so that he would not have to judge you. Because he loves you. You are the most valuable thing in all of the galaxy to God. When it's all said and done, and I can share with this with you on another, another occasion, there will be nothing of this world left or the heavens. There will be brand new earth, brand new heavens, and all of you that decide to accept that payment, you'll be there. You'll be there. Now let me share this with you. That is the most extraordinary source of joy in the world. Because everything around you and I is changing. Everything. The world is changing. The Middle East is changing. Our enemies are changing. We have no idea whatsoever what tomorrow holds. Now we're afraid. I mean, this. I, I try not to think about this. I really don't. I just remind myself that my life is in God's hands. As I was standing out last night at the Rock Block Party... All of a sudden, I see mosquitoes in a new light. You probably do as well, don't you? As the West Nile virus spreads all over the country, now there's some, I read, 375 confirmed cases. 
and it just keeps going and it going. If it's not this, then it's AIDS, then it's anthrax. Imagine for a moment you had anthrax. You've gotten an envelope, you had anthrax. Now you know you've got it. You're in the hospital. And I walk into the room and I ask you, would you like the antibiotic? Nah, I'll get over it. You sure? I mean, I, I want to. I'll pay for the antibiotic. It's free antibiotic. You can live. Don't you want to live? Nah. You know, I, I don't want your charity. Thanks anyway. But you know, I'm strong, and I'll get through this. See, see, God does the same thing, but He doesn't chuckle. He cries. He goes, listen, listen to me. Since the dawn of man, man has lived and died, lived and died, lived and died, and the only reason man dies is because all of us are infected with sin. All of us. All of us. And none better than the other. None in the eyes of God worse than the other. And He is willing to give eternal life, forgiveness, a brand new life to any person who comes to Christ. That's the most incredible news in the world. Let me read you what the Bible says about this news. This is taken from the book of 1 Peter. All honor to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for it is by His boundless mercy that God has given us the privilege of being born over again. Now we live with the wonderful expectation because Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. For God has reserved a priceless inheritance for His children. It is kept in heaven for you, pure, undefiled, beyond the reach of change or decay. And God in His mighty power will protect you until you receive the salvation because you're trusting Him. It will be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead for you. You love Him even though you've never seen Him. Though you don't see Him, you trust Him. And even now, you are happy and full of glorious, inexpressible joy your reward for trusting Him will be the salvation of your soul. Inexpressible joy. Have you ever tasted it? Inexpressible joy. There are a number of individuals in this country, my age, we're called baby boomers, who are holding on for mom and dad's inheritance. Baby boomers will inherit the single greatest transfer of wealth in the history of the world. Not anymore. The last nine months obliterated millions and billions of dollars in wealth. Their inheritance has been defiled. Their inheritance, it's decaying. The little termites of erosion and the bear market are eating away at their inheritance. Nothing will take yours from you. Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And whether times on the outside are good or whether they're bad, God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And you become His child. You now enjoy, when you come to Christ, a special, intimate, and personal relationship with the living God. And it never ends. And you never die. You go on for all time in a place, not playing a harp, not sitting on a cloud, But the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that God is building a new heaven and a new earth and you will be there exploring it. Going to new world, new planets, new galaxies that God has made just for you. Listen, the Bible makes it very clear. God wants every person. Every person. There is none better than the other. There is none less valuable to God than the other. 
no matter what country you're from, what your ethnic background, what your education, or what your sin, or how great your sin. I was visiting the other day with a close friend. We had lunch. He's an extremely wealthy man. He works in the stock market with mutual funds, and even though the market's gone down, he's still doing very well. He was telling me an interesting story. He said, Mark, four months ago, four months ago, I did not know what was going to happen in my life. He said, I wasn't happy with my wife. I wasn't happy with my life. I wasn't happy with anything. There was no real happiness. He said, I have everything you could want. And he does. Extraordinary home, beautiful wife, more money than he knows what to do with. He said, Mark, I was so empty. I was so empty. I told my wife, I said, I got to leave. I'm going to go up to a cabin north for four days. I'm not taking a phone, nothing. I have got to get to the bottom of what's going on in my life. He said, Mark, you know, I took along a few reading material. I took along my Bible. and He said, I stopped in this little holiday store way up north by this lake. Hardly anybody in there. I walked in and I'm buying some food to eat. And He said, I looked over. There was a bookshelf. and There was this book over there called Traveling Lightly. It had this pretty Garden of Eden scene on it. And he said, I don't know. I just, I just picked it up. thought, well, it looks good. I had no idea who the author was. No idea what it was about. He said, I went. First night, I began reading the book. He said, I wasn't through the first chapter. Tears are flowing down my face. Written by a man named Max Licato. I could not believe that this man had written this book and it hit the nail on the head of everything in my life that I've been wrapped up in everything but the right thing. And that right thing is God, my relationship with God, and knowing God, and experiencing life with God. Let me read you what the book of Luke says, because it speaks to my friend. Then someone called from a crowd, Teacher, please tell your brother to divide my father's estate with me. I want my share of the money. Jesus said, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide this particular thing? Then he said, Beware. Don't be greedy for what you don't have. Real life is not measured by how much we own. And he gave them this story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. In fact, his barns were full to overflowing. So he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store everything. And I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, Friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you're a fool. You will die this very night and who will get all that you have stored up? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. See, God is the only thing that will fulfill your life. He created you for Himself. It's a little bit like trying to live without food. You were created with the need for food. I'm sorry, you can't put gasoline in your veins. It's not going to work. It's not going to burn for fuel for you. You need food. You and I need God. Close with one last story. I'm a boxing fan. I love boxing. I know it's a tough sport. You may say it's violent. My father was a boxer. And when I was young, he was still fighting. There was a boxer when I was in high school named Ernie Shavers. He was heavy with... He said, and I looked over at this guy, and I thought, I, I know that guy. Who, who's that guy? I know that guy. Hit me. That's Ernie Shavers, the heavyweight, former heavyweight champion. So I went over to him, because I noticed he had this, this hat on with a cross on it. And, and so I walked over to him. 
I introduced myself and I said, you're any shavers, aren't you? He said, yeah. I said, well, I noticed that hat you have on. He said, oh, yeah, you like my hat? He said, yeah, he says, I'm a Christian. He said, let me tell you what happened, he said. I was riding around limousines. I had millions of dollars chasing women. I had about any woman I could want. He said, but there's this one woman I wanted. She didn't want me. She was a Christian. She invited me to go to this coffee shop one night. That coffee shop, they shared the story, the message that I'm sharing with you tonight. He said, I realized all the money in the world will not fill the emptiness in my life. And he said, I gave my life to Christ that night. And he said, ever since then, I've been working with inner city struggling kids in Chicago, leading them to Christ, helping them develop their life, mentoring them, giving my life away. I've never been so fulfilled in my whole life. God wants to fulfill you. God can. And I promise you, you can experience extraordinary joy in your life. There's, it is simply impossible to have joy in your life when you don't have an answer for death. Because you see, after death, we're judged. And there's only one way to never be judged. Now, I'll tell you, it's not an exciting thing to think about that. I don't think about it anymore. You know why? Because I came to Christ 27 years ago. And for the person who comes to Christ, Christ gets judged in your place. He pays your fine instead of you. And you get His righteousness. You get His goodness. You get His life. I'm going to close in prayer tonight. And I want to invite you to bow your head. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to say anything to me. You don't have to say anything to your friend. But you know what? You need to talk to God. Maybe tonight you know this is your night. God brought you here for a reason. It was no accident. Like it was no accident my friend walked into a holiday gas station and found a book he never dreamed he'd find. Turned his life around. I want you to know, the Bible makes it very clear that Jesus Christ did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. What is your part? Your part is to simply say, humbly with your heart, Lord, I need you. I have broken your laws. I recognize that. I want you to save my life. I want you to save my soul. I want you to forgive me. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died for me. And I receive you as my Savior. That heart decision can be made tonight. As I close in prayer, I want to encourage you, if you desire, you can do it now, you can do it tonight when you're home, in the privacy of your own room. You simply tell that to God in your heart. He'll hear you as though you're the only person talking to Him. If I could ever be of service to you, you could reach me at mark at rockthechurch.com or you can call the office number on the bulletin and they'll give you my phone number. There's people here who would love to visit with you. If we can be of help to you, that's why we're here. That's the honest to God truth. That's why we're here. Because God cares about the human race and so do we. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you tonight for your incredible mercy. I know, Lord, for me personally, I do not deserve it. Every day, Lord, for me, every single day I wake up, I realize, Lord, I'm a broken man without you. If it was not for you, I would have lost my wife, I would have lost my children, I would have no friends whatsoever. I would have ruined my life. It was not for the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ in my life. Every day, Lord, I mean this, it fills me with joy. There are difficulties. There are struggles in this life. There's no question of that. 
But underneath it all, there is a settled peace in my heart knowing I have peace with God. I have come to terms with God. God is my friend. God is my Father. God is the lover. The one sure thing in my life. I just ask you tonight, Lord, that you would touch each person that's here this evening. That you'd pour out your grace and your mercy and your personalness on their life. And that they would come to know you in a dynamic and meaningful way. Thank you for all that you've done for us and all that you will do in Jesus' name. Amen.